Hello and welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. I have been uh, looking forward to this Sunday for several weeks now, ever since I knew that this Sunday was going to look like it is going to look this morning. And the reason is, is because we have the honor and the privilege to do something this morning that I hope becomes a recurring theme here at Hope City Church. We have the honor and privilege of praying with, praying over, and sending out a new church plant in our area. One of the things that we've believed for a long time, the leadership of Hope City Church, is that our success is not measured in our seating capacity. Our success is measured in our sending capacity. We want to be a place that empowers people, encourages people, lifts people up, draws people close to Jesus, and then sends them out carrying his message, his name, to make a difference in the world. And so we've got a church that is going to be launching very, very soon in the next couple of months called Propel Church. It's going to be launching in the Mount Pleasant area. Um, If you live in the Mount Pleasant area, I would challenge you, go check these guys out. They are going to be um, getting it done for the kingdom. And I would love for you um, to be able to know more about them and hear more about them. And because of that, I've asked um, their lead pastor, Nick Newman, to come and share with us today a little bit about Propel Church. So we are in this series right now called The Life of Job, and I couldn't think of a more fitting time um, to talk about a church plant than in talking about the life of Job because you guys are about to live it. The next few weeks are going to look like chapter three, and chapter 2 and 3 of The Life of Job. Now we're going to hit pause on that series this morning. We're going to pick it back up next week, and this morning we're going to take a few minutes and do a few things. Number one, hear about Propel hear about the heart of Pastor Nick. As a church, we're going to pray over these guys who have a heart for this community. And then beyond that, we're going to bless them and send them out on their way. Nick um, approached me several months ago and asked if I would be an overseer for Propel Church. Basically just a guy to keep him in check and keep him in line and ask him the tough questions that nobody else would ask him. And I greatly um, obliged to do that. And he's been hanging out with us. He and his wife have been hanging out with us for the last several months. And they're going to be sent out. They're going to be meeting on Sunday mornings at Mount Pleasant High School. Um, They've already started that process, but they'll start that officially next Sunday. And so they won't be hanging out with us anymore. They're going to be hanging out over there getting ready for what God is going to do. And I've so been looking forward to this. And I told Nick um, before, uh, before he, he came this morning, I said, bro, you've got to know the enemy has been doing everything in his power to keep me from being here and hanging out with you guys this morning. I was so looking forward to being here. And on Friday night, I went to Chili's. Um, and not that any of you care about this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Friday night, I went to Chili's. And I got food poisoning. I've never had food poisoning in my entire life other than once. And it's both happened within the last four months. So this is the second time I've had food poisoning in four months. But I got food poisoning on Friday night. Was up nauseous all night Saturday night. Threw my guts up on Saturday morning. Everything I'd eaten at Chili's. Chili's does not look good the next day for whatever it's worth. Um, 
and, and was literally like dry heaving all day. I said, I cannot go to church like this tomorrow morning. So yesterday I went to the doctor and I said, I don't care what you got to do. I don't care um, what you think the problem is, but you got to give me something for this nausea because I desperately, desperately want to be there tomorrow morning. And so they gave me a shot. Um, I've never had a shot in my rear end. That's the first time that I've ever had one of those. Um, it was a really awkward experience for everybody. Because I've, I've always had a shot in my arm, and they told me to turn around, and I was like, for what? <laughs> and they, they gave me a shot in my rear end. It was weird because they said, you, you got to quit tensing up. And so I would stop, and then they'd start to bring the needle in again, and I'd tense up again, and then I'd stop, and then I'd tense up again. And they said, you got to quit twerking, bro. We're never going to be able to give you this, this shot. And so um, needless to say, they gave me the shot. Um, and between that medicine and God's provision, I was able to be here this morning. And I can't tell you how thrilled I am as a pastor to be able to hear from Pastor Nick, to be able to hear about Propel, and to hear about the way that God is going to use them. So I'm very excited. I hope that you're very excited. Can you do me a favor and show some love and make some noise for Propel's lead pastor, Pastor Nick Newman? Thanks so much, man. What's up, Hope City Church? You guys look beautiful from up here. It's a privilege and an honor to, to be hanging out with you guys today. Like Pastor Robbie said, I met with him a few months ago, and, and I basically said, hey, um, I realize I'm young, a little crazy, and uh, I just want to make sure I'm going to do everything that God wants me to do in this church so can you come alongside me and make sure I don't mess up in the process? And he's been awesome. And uh, I'll tell you, whenever you meet somebody new, you always want to check, for me personally, like how super spiritual they are. You guys know what I'm talking about. Whenever you go and uh, somebody finds out you're going to pray and they go, <clears throat> dear Lord, Father God. And it's like, man, you don't even talk like that. Why are you praying? So I'm looking at, I'm trying to check Pastor Robbie and, um, I show up one day, we're in the middle of a, a Daniel fast, and I say, hey man, let's go grab lunch, and he says, okay, um, where do you want to eat? I said, it doesn't matter to me, I'm, I'm fasting, and your pastor ate lamb right in front of me on, eight, on day eight of a 10-day fast, and he looks at me in the middle of it, and he says, cuz, you know fasting's supposed to be hard, right? So <laughs> I love your pastor, he's a great guy, <laughs> loves Jesus, and uh, and, and, and you're blessed because you have a pastor that um, is, is passionate about kingdom work. It's not every day that when a new church plant comes to town, the pastor says, let's have him over. Um, so your pastor is a great man. I, I love him. I want to um, let you know about our church. We actually launch seven weeks from now. It will be our first service uh, at Mount Pleasant High School on September 20th. And uh, we're excited for that. But we are continuing what we call launch team meetings in Mount Pleasant High School on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. And the reason we do that is because we look at, at September 20th as our wedding day. And we want to prepare to receive the bride of Christ. We want to make sure that we can take care of her and steward her in the best capacity. So I've got some of my team members here. I also want to celebrate my wife, Katora. Uh, she is a wonderful... Can we give it up for my wife? <laughs> Been married for a little over a year and a half now and... and uh, Man, I tell you, I couldn't think of a better person to do this church planning journey with than her. And uh, Hope City, if you got a Bible, we're going to be in Mark chapter 5 this morning um, talking about um, really my heart for, for church planting, my heart for you as a, as a believer. And, and I'm going to talk about my story and really what God did. So I got a question for you before we get started. 
How many of you have a past? A few of you don't know what a past is. You now have a past. As soon as we move forward, we have a past. Some of us have pasts that, that we're not proud of, that, that oftentimes we feel ashamed of. And this morning, what I want to talk about is, is really how do we get past our past? How do we get over those things that we did in the past and allow God to use them for his glory? Because that's his desire. So I'm going to pray for us, Hope City. Um, Daddy, I love you. I thank you so much for the privilege of being here this morning with these people. And God, I ask as we open your word and we talk about this text that you would honor and bless our time together. I pray, God, that our hearts would be open and that we would only hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So church, just to give you a little background of the text, we roll up into Mark chapter 5 and what we see is a demon-possessed man. And we don't know the whole story. We find out later that he has a family, but what most likely happened, he was going on his day-to-day routine of life, and all of a sudden, he begins to be overtaken by a demon. The kids look at at mom, and they say, hey, is is dad going to be okay? She says, I think so. Slowly but surely, as he continues to fight time and time again, if you've ever been in a battle for long enough, you realize that fighting gets hard, and one day he gives up. So what started out as demonic oppression has now become possession. Mutations begin to form on his body. He's no longer in control of himself. In fact, uh, Scripture says that he was violent. He was angry. His family's terrified. They call in the village. They call in the town. And these people come in and they say, hey, you can't stay here anymore. So they begin to push him down towards a graveyard. They tried to chain him up. And he would break the chains. Like the Incredible Hulk is a biblical character. Like, you can't chain this man up. He's strong. And we see this really strange depiction of a man. We see a man who's so built up and so strong. But then verse 5 says that day and night he would wander the burial tombs howling. I'm sorry, verse 4 says he would wander the burial tombs howling and cutting himself. So we see a man who's built up and strong, but then we see a man who's completely broken on the inside. And that was my story. Wandering the the halls of Mount Pleasant High School, I was built up on the outside. I looked like I had everything together. I was a drug dealer. I had plenty of money. I had plenty of friends. Everyone wanted things to do with me because I was kind of like the life of the party. And I don't say that braggingly. That's just who I was. On the outside, I looked like I had everything together. I had a really built-up persona. But on the inside, I knew I was completely broken. Just like this man, as he self-inflicts pain on himself, cutting himself, I knew that everything I smoked, everything I snorted, everything that I did was just continuing to inflict pain. But man, I'm so thankful that we serve a God that doesn't just leave us in our brokenness. We don't serve a God who just stands at a far distance away and points at our mess and says, you should really take care of that and then we'll talk. See, what verse 1 says is that Jesus gets out of the boat and he approaches this man. No one wants anything to do with this man. He literally lives in a graveyard. That's weird, right? No one, if, you're, if you've got um, the capacity to live in a graveyard, you're a very strange person. You are. I say that lovingly. 
But the reality is he's completely surrounded by death because internally that's how he feels. It's a very fitting environment for him. But God in his love and his grace and his mercy comes and he meets him right where he's at. And I want to give you a little bit of hope today, Hope City, that if you are broken and you're hopeless, we serve a God who's willing to meet you right where you're at. He's not content with leaving you where you are. He's not, he's not happy with, with where you're at. He desires to see you grow and you to move in relationship with him. And so this is what verse number five of this story says. Day and night he would wander, howling and cutting himself. But when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? For some of us, this is kind of what we think about Jesus, that Jesus just wants to interfere with us. This demon bows at the feet of Jesus, and he says, Hey, why are you interfering with me? The reality is, Jesus doesn't want to interfere with your problems. He wants to jump right into the middle of it and change you from the inside out. See, isn't it funny that the interference is to get in the way of something that's already at work? See, the enemy was at work in this man's life, and he thinks, why are you interfering with me? But no, Jesus doesn't want to interfere with him. He wants to completely change him. We keep reading, and uh, Jesus calls, he says, hey, hey, what, what's your name? And they say, legions, for we are many. There are many demons inside this man. And Jesus says, get out. Because everything at the name of Jesus has to bow. And when he says, get out, there was this herd of pigs that was nearby. So J- Jesus cast the demons into the bacon, and the bacon runs off the side of a cliff. Now, I'm just going to give you a little tip, Hope City. If you want to preach to some vegetarians, talk about demon-possessed bacon. Amen? They will eat that stuff up. See, there was a joke inside of a joke. Now, okay, we'll keep going. But these, these, these demon-possessed pigs run over the side of the cliff. And then, I love what verse 14 says. It's so funny. Um, I'm fully convinced after reading this passage of text that you can't, please anybody. Check us out. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened as a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw a man who had been possessed by a legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane and everyone was afraid. Isn't it crazy that they were terrified of him when he was possessed by a demon and they're still terrified of him when he's clothed and perfectly sane? You can't make people happy at all. It doesn't matter. And, and for me, this is a very fitting passage of text for where I was in my life. Uh, actually, next Saturday, I get to celebrate four years in a relationship with Jesus and clean, and, and it's incredible. But <laughs> we can celebrate that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super stoked about it. We're going to throw a party. I believe that the, the, the church should throw the best parties in the world. We, we ought to make it so fun at church that we make it hard for people to go to hell. Um, 
you think I'm playing. <laughs> Anyways, but this was my story. I mean, I was, a, I was a drug dealer. I was addicted to drugs day and night. I would, I would continue to do drugs. I, I had an addiction so bad that I had to wake up and do drugs just so I could get up. And then I would do more drugs so that I could sustain myself. And then I had an encounter with Jesus. And when I had an encounter with Jesus, I came back and said, God's called me to be a pastor. You want to talk about a weird scenario? Like three years later, people still see me and try to buy drugs from me. It's been three years. Fully clothed. Perfectly sane. And you know what it gives us a beautiful depiction of? New beginnings and fresh starts when you enter into a relationship with Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Behold, if anyone is in Christ, he has been made a new creation. The old is gone. Those old things that were attached to this man, those, those demons, they were gone. They were completely taken care of. And the new things have come. And I think if there's one issue that that really uh, hurts the body of Christ more than anything is that we're trying to walk in new life with old clothes. It was so funny that, that, that Sam was walking through some scripture with the worship team and talked about the very same thing this morning. The reality is when God makes you a new creation, he gives you the ability to lay those old things aside. And this man's had such an, a, a heightened emotional encounter with Jesus. It's changed him. No one wanted anything to do with him. His family had left him. He was completely terrified. But God met him where he was at. He spoke towards his potential and not his problems. He said, hey, you've got a problem. I'm here to change you. And this is the passage, the part of the text that I understand really well. Because it says this in verse 18. Well, 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 first of all, the townspeople, they got terrified, right? The, the, they were terrified when he was a demon. They're terrified now that he's perfectly sane. So they're like, Jesus, can you get out of here? Like, really cool. You want to keep turning water into wine? We like that. Demon-possessed people, eh, not really for us. So they were like, hey, we need you to leave. And Jesus said, okay. So Jesus is getting back into the boat. His mission isn't done. We're only in chapter 5. He's still got to go to the cross. He's still going to heal people. He's going to do incredible miracles down the road. And as he's getting into the boat, this demon-possessed man comes up to him, and he says, Jesus, let me go with you. Let me go with you. He had nobody. His family was gone. The, the, the people in his life were completely gone. But God met him where he was at. He's coming to the only person who's ever loved him despite his situation. And he's saying, can I please just go with you? It's not like, hey, bro, can we go get some Dunkin' Donuts and some coffee? Jesus, let me go with you. And Jesus says, no. No, you can't come with me. I'm fully convinced that the majority of the church is content with sitting near Jesus rather than being light for Jesus. Isn't it crazy that when we have a heightened emotional encounter with Jesus and he changes our life forever, our first initial reaction is to come in and sit. We come into church services week in and week out, and we are perfectly content with just sitting. Scripture doesn't say that that Jesus came so that we may sit through incredible worship experiences through the teachings of Pastor Robbie McLaughlin and, and, and that people may come to know him. No, it says that the Son of Man came to serve, 
not to be served. And Jesus is way more concerned with people who are far from him than your comfort level. He just is. The mission isn't over until all the world knows about him. And so this is what he says. No, you can't go with me. But he doesn't just leave it there. He says, no, go home. Go home and tell your family everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has and the mercy he has shown you. Go home. Isn't it crazy that the one place Jesus goes to send him is the very place he calls destruction? (laughs) This is my story. I relate with this man so well. Mount Pleasant was not the place that I looked on the map and said, Lord, if there's anywhere that there could be a healthy, life-giving, thriving church, it would be in the middle of the country near some cows with a, with a school that has a horse program. I'll tell you about April of 2011. I showed up to Mount Pleasant High School, and, and uh, I'd gotten high that morning, and... Um, I wasn't in control of my body. I had, I had no control whatsoever. So they come to me and they say, uh, Nick, we need, to, uh, we need to search your car. Ooh, knew that one was going to be bad. So we go out to my car. They start searching through things. I got expelled from Mount Pleasant High School in April of 2011 for possession of drugs, paraphernalia. I mean, it was a laundry list by the time we left there. I got expelled from there. Had my encounter with Jesus on August 1st of 2011. Completely changed my life. And I'm standing on stage at Mount Pleasant High School speaking at a youth conference that was held there uh, about a year. It was a, about a year and a month after that. And God says, I'm sending you home. No, Jesus. Don't do that. We can go Utah, Mormons. We're good. Mount Pleasant? Uh, he said, go home. And I had, to, I had to continually ask God, why? God, why do you want me to send? Why, why do you want us to come here? And I love what Romans says, that he works all things out. What the enemy meant for evil, he can use for good. And so Hope City, I'm wondering, what is your past? Where's home for you? Where is home for you? Is it the, the, your physical home? Is it a location geographically? Is it literally your home where your family needs to hear about the love and the grace and the mercy that Jesus has shown you? Is it your places of influence? Is it your, your work? Where is God sending you? Because he says go home. He's not content with you just sitting. His desire is for you to be actively sharing about how much love and grace and mercy you've experienced. And you know what I find interesting? We're okay with it until it says share everything. That's a little scary. Because some of us are so ashamed of our past that we feel like if anybody knew what we were actually going through, they would cringe so deep inside that they would never want to have anything to do with us anymore. Perfection doesn't preach, guys. Restoration preaches. And so this man begins to go and he begins to go home, he, and he's heading on this journey. 
And you know what I love? How he was able to share his story. You remember back in the text, um, he would howl and cut himself. How many of you guys have ever uh, had a cut or a scratch or a scrape or a wound? A couple of you. Some of you need to experience life. You get cut sometimes. It, there's wounds that are there. You know what happens when a wound heals? It scars. Fully healed, perfectly sane. Scars aren't always pretty, but they always tell a story of healing. Check this out. He gets to walk into this town, and he's walking, and he, he goes to the first convenience store he can find, and he throws a cherry lemon sundrop on the counter because you know Jesus had to invent cherry lemon sundrop. It's just that good. <laughs> throws up a cherry lemon sundrop on the counter, and he says, hey, you see these scars? This cashier's probably like, what is going on? No, 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 I did it to myself. Whew. No, you don't understand. See, see, I was possessed by demons, and she's probably thinking, this is going nowhere real fast. I was possessed by demons. I was walking around. I was cutting myself day and night. I, I looked really strong, but I was completely broken. I did these things to myself, but there was a God who was willing to meet me where I was at. He wasn't content with where I was. He spoke into my potential, and he said, I'm here to set you free, and he freed me, and now I stand on the other side knowing that if you're in a similar situation, God can bring you through it. That's the power of a scar. I have a scar on my throat. I had some thyroid issues years ago. Actually, it was about four years ago, too. A lot happened in one year of my life. <laughs> I had a mama who prayed for me a lot during that time. I have a scar on my throat. And every time, they literally thought I was going to die at one point. My resting heart rate was in the 140s to 160s. If you know anything about heart rates, that's intense. I went from like 300 pounds to 165. It was crazy. Skin suit. Anyways. But man, this scar, I stand on the other side of it now, knowing that God is fully capable of healing. And when people say things like, man, I got, I got news that I have cancer. I, I have news like that. I get that. I understand it because I've been there. And I can say, hey, let me show you a scar. Let me show you this wound that I had in my life. But you look at it now. It's healed. And I know that if God could bring me through that, he'll get you through it as well. I'm not saying it's not going to be tough. I'm just saying I stand on the other side knowing that God's capable of it. See, that's what preaches to people. Isn't it funny that, that the disciples only knew it was Jesus by a scar? It says they knew it was him by the nail-pierced hands. And that's a great story, that sin has been conquered, death was defeated, and now we, through him, we get to be brought back into right relationship with God. That's an awesome story of a scar. It didn't take away the pain of the situation. It hurt. He was beat, he was prodded, he was spit on. It was, it was a painful scenario. But on the outside of that, he got to say, guys, check this out. This means you can have eternal life. Your scars tell stories. Maybe your scars are like mine and, and they're of addictions. Maybe it's alcohol 
abuse. Maybe it's anger. Maybe whatever it is. There's, it could be anything that has wounded you. These aren't just physical wounds. These are emotional wounds as well. Some of us may have been manipulated for a majority of our life. Maybe we sat under religion for a long period of time. What are your scars? Because that's what God desires to use in your life. And you know what I love? Verse 20 tells us what will happen if we share it. This is what it says. Verse 20. So the man started off to the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. If you get serious about sharing your scars, people will be amazed at what God has done. I can't take credit for it. You can't take credit for it. And that's why God uses that kind of stuff. We now have the opportunity to plant a church in the high school that I got kicked out of because God's just that good. It wasn't my, my, my looks or my intelligence that got us. You, you didn't have to agree. No, I'm just kidding. It, I didn't do anything to get that spot. In fact, there was one point where we were told no. But God worked it out because he does what he does. And now he's sending us home, not to preach about perfection, not to preach like we have it all together, but we can say, hey, I've been there too, but you know what? God's desire for you is to know him. He desires you to find freedom, to discover your purpose and to make a difference. That's why we exist. Hope City. If we get serious about sharing in the middle of our pain, we'll see lives changed. We'll see hopeless people be given hope. And we'll see people propelled into a relationship with Christ. And it will literally blow your mind what God does. I didn't come this morning to to share very long with you. But I want you to know it takes all of us to do this. It's not your pastor's job to just lead people to Christ. In fact, his job is to equip you to lead people to Christ. That's Ephesians, equip the saints for ministry. That's the role of the pastor. But it takes all of us getting serious because your level of influence is different than my level of influence. The people God has given you the ability to reach out to is different than he's given me the ability to reach out to So are you willing to be light? Are you willing to to share in the middle of your struggles so that people can come to know Jesus and have an encounter with him? Hope City, I'm going to lead you through two prayers this morning. The first of those, maybe you're in here this morning and you feel just like this demon-possessed man. You feel broken. You feel helpless. You feel hurt. And you want to say for the first time, I'm ready to have an encounter with Jesus that changes my life forever. So I'm going to ask that every head be bowed and every eye closed in this room. If that's you this morning, and you want to say for the first time, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
I just want you to slip your hand up, and I'm going to lead you through a prayer. Amen. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. All right, if that's you today, I want you to say this. God, I thank you that you meet me where I'm at. I thank you that you don't leave me where I am and that you give me new life through what your son Jesus did. Today, I invite you to be the ruler of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. In Hope City Church, I'm going to do one more prayer with you. See, because some of us have wounds. They're not scars yet. And until God heals those things, it's going to be really hard for you to share, really hard for you to communicate all that God's done in your life. So I'm going to pray that God heals wounds so that he can use it for his glory. You pray with me, church. Daddy, I love you so much. I thank you for the privilege of just sharing my heart with Hope City this morning. And God, uh, right now, I want to pray that wounds that are cut open would be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we know that you are capable. We know that you are able. And so, God, we ask that you would heal and you would mend up those things in our life that are broken, those things in our life that are still bleeding, God, would be brought closure in Jesus' name. Maybe we need to forgive somebody. Would you allow that to happen so that we can be light? God, we love you. I thank you for this opportunity.